keys to abiding in Christ. And you know we're in a series called Forward in Faith. We're learning what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. And in this series, we're using forward as our outline. It stands for follow, obey, reach, worship, abide, resist, and disciple. And last week, I talked on the importance of abiding. We learned that abiding in Christ means we find our home in Christ and we stay there. We're not in and out, in and out. We abide there. We stay there. We're so connected to the true vine that we live there. We dwell there. We make our home there. And he supplies us with spiritual energy to produce spiritual fruit. And so today we're going to learn how to abide because we all want to abide. It's Bible. And today my message is called Keys to Abiding in Christ. And here is the first key. Oh, this is so good. To abide in Christ, you must first be in Christ. I have had the greatest revelation in my spiritual walk of what it means to be in Christ. I thought I knew all these years what it meant to be in Christ, and I'm sure I did to a degree, obviously. But I have been in this place of understanding what it means to be in Christ, and I pray today that God will use my mouth to be able to open uh, revelation for you in this area of your life because we're all on a journey. We're all growing, right? But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. When we're born again through faith in Jesus Christ, we become a new creation in Christ. I remember my salvation experience. Before that, I did what I wanted. It didn't matter to me what anybody thought, my parents especially, or God. I didn't care. I just did what I wanted. But let me tell you, when I got saved, it all changed. I had a hunger for the word. I had a thirst for more righteousness. It was all different. You see, the person that we used to be before we were in Christ, that person is gone. We are a new person in Christ. And to be in something, it it means to be surrounded and contained by it. We're surrounded by the presence of God. We are contained in him. When we're born again, not only do we receive Christ in us, But we are also placed in Christ. This is such a mystery. We abide in him and he abides in us. We're surrounded by him. His strength is our strength. His righteousness is our righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whether you feel like it or not. To abide in Christ means you know who you are. In Christ. This is so important. You are a child of God through faith in Jesus. You are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. We know this intellectually, but do we really know this in our knower? You have a knower, did you know? You have a knower. Do you know it in your knower? You're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. You have power, love, and a sound mind. In all things, you have complete victory through Jesus Christ. You have every spiritual blessing in Jesus. Do you know who you are in Christ? I was talking to someone recently, and they were just experiencing this attack. We all do, right? From the enemy. 
And she was so disappointed in, in something that she had been praying for for a very long time. And as a result of that, even though she didn't want to be, none of us want to be, she started feeling angry with God. This was a huge disappointment. And this anger just kind of rose up in her. I'm so thankful she was honest about that. Guess what? God knew anyway, right? But immediately, once she confessed that anger, she started to feel condemnation. And she began to just question who she really was in God. You know, when we get under condemnation or we let our sin define us and we get, we get caught up in that, we lose our position because positionally we are always in Christ. No matter what we do, we are in Christ and we are forgiven. But condemnation was causing her to lose her position of abiding in Christ. And guess what? That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to condemn us and, and put us down till we start getting weak and afraid and, and down on ourselves. And then you know what happens? We cease abiding. And the enemy has us right where he wants us. So instead, she realized that. She had confessed and she, had, she accepted God's forgiveness. She stood her ground and maintained her place in Christ. That should be our response when the enemy comes in to attack us. And that's where I've been walking. It's like, God, you know what? I am in you and you are in me and I, I fail and I sin. But guess what? I have an advocate. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I am seated at the right hand of God. I know who I am. So I just give Satan a black eye. Yeah, I fall. Yeah, I sin. But guess what? I know who I am in Christ, and I have forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. She stood her place, maintained her place in Christ. He, she applied his word to her life and refused to get into condemnation. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when we mess up, don't pull away. From God. That's what we do. We don't even realize it. Don't pull away. Don't forget who you are in him. No. Maintain your position in Christ. And continue to abide. Because when we are in Christ. This is beautiful. The Bible says this. This verse set me free years ago. And I'm still growing in that. When our heart condemns us. God is bigger than our heart. We don't have to go around in condemnation. There is no condemnation. Don't pull away from God. Key number one was to abide in Christ. You must first be in Christ. Number two, abiding results in pruning. Ouch. Which results in fruitfulness. Yay. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, right? 1 John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I love that. You can do nothing without me. This is great news. Abiding in Christ results in fruitfulness in our lives. But Jesus also said in John 15, 1 through 2, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Come on. Don't you want those branches cut away? I do, even though it hurts. 
he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. How many want to bear more fruit? I want to bear more fruit. A big key to abiding in Christ is understanding. There will be things that Christ is going to add to your life. But also, there are going to be things that he will take away from your life so that you may bear even more fruit. There are degrees of fruitfulness in our life. I want to be the fruitfulest most. I do. God knows what I mean. Fruit, here's what fruit is. Godly characteristics in our life. Character in our lives. God will cut away and prune everything, even good things that come before him. Pruning's not a bad thing. It feels like a bad thing. You ever seen a bush that's been pruned? It looks horrible. You know, and that's how you kind of feel when you're being pruned, you know. But pruning's not bad. Here's what would be bad if God didn't prune us. It's out of his love and his goodness because vines, if they're left to themselves, here's what happens. They grow wild and they produce these huge canopies and those huge canopies hinder the fruitfulness. Vines that are not pruned, they're so much more susceptible to disease and bugs and insects. Pruning is important. It also means, pruning means cutting away the good. Hear me now. You're like, what? Cutting away the good. Yes, cutting away the good because it hinders the best to produce the best. Here's what the vine dresser will do. And I read, about, I read a lot about this. They study a long time to know how to do all this. They will cut away whole clusters of grapes that look just fine so that the rest of the vine will be able to produce a higher quality. Now, that might seem counterproductive because these, these grapes look good. We, with our natural eye, can't always tell, like, this looks good in my life. What's going on here? But the reason for pruning the grapevines is because they can come, become so dense that the sun cannot reach into areas where more fruit should be able to form. You see, sometimes God has to cut away things in our lives that seem good so that the sun, S-O-N, can reach into the areas of our lives that are not producing fruit. But we want to hold on to those things. Oh, no, 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 God, this is good in my life. God says, no, this is holding you back. There may be some things in your life, hear me this morning, that look good to you. But God is saying, give this up. Give it up. Pruning also removes suckers, which are the very small branches that grow in the fork of the main trunk of the tree. And what they do is they sap the life from the fruit-producing branches. In our lives, suckers might be those people or situation in our lives that just suck the life out of us. They bring us down. They harm us. Maybe it's a friend that just drains you. And you're like, oh, God, I can't take one more minute of that. They're negative, and they gossip, or they lack faith, or, or maybe, just maybe, it's a situation that's tempting you to sin, and you know it. Sin is crouching at your door. Don't give in to it. 
God must cut these things out of our lives so that we can bear more fruit. Sometimes it involves removing sin or distractions or misbeliefs or bad influences or bad attitudes from our lives. Yes, pruning hurts and it is painful, but God is changing us to look more like him. And it is so worth it. So those are the first two uh, keys. The next three keys we're going to look at are found in John 15, 7, where Jesus said, if, important little word right there, if you abide in me and my words oh, abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. If you remember last week, I talked about intermittent, intermittent fasting, how that works in the physical, but it does not work in the spiritual. We cannot expect to grow, hear me, and bear fruit if we practice intermittent discipleship, intermittent worship, intermittent Bible study, intermittent prayer, intermittent giving, intermittent serving, intermittent obedience. Those who abide and bear fruit are stable and consistent in these things. It takes staying in that place and not being moved. That means we don't just come to church and worship if we feel like it. We make church attendance a priority. We don't just read the word if it's convenient. We make reading the word a priority. Come on, church. And we don't just pray when we're in trouble. Oh, God, SOS, I need your help. No. We fall on our face before him when everything is falling apart, like Pastor Whitney did today. That is staying in the presence of God. We make prayer a daily priority. It, it means God is our all in all. He's our everything. He is our life and our light. He is before everything. We can't even imagine a day without him. We can't imagine what it would be like. He's always on our heart. Come on. He's always on our mind. He permeates. Permeates our lives. We don't want to displease him. And we don't want to act independently of him. Even when we're angry or mad. And I went through a period like this in my 40s. We know he's right there. We're still aware of him. So with all that in mind, I want to look at these remaining three keys from John 15, 7. And the third key is abiding in worship. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me. To abide in Jesus means live where he lives. I'm repeating this, I know, but I'm doing it intentionally. I want you to understand what abiding is. Psalms 22, 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. We feel it every Sunday, don't we? We start lifting our voice and praising, and what happens? The presence just falls. You know what the word inhabit means? To dwell. In other words, God lives in our praise and worship. So when we worship, we are abiding in God's presence. Moses is such a good example of what I'm talking about here. In Exodus 33, 1 through 17, God told Moses that he would lead the children of Israel to the promised land. But there was one thing, one thing, only one, 
that was a deal breaker for Moses. Do you know what that one thing was? It wasn't the evil Pharaoh, King Pharaoh. It wasn't their fear of the enemies. That might have held a lot of people back. It wasn't lack of provision or that they changed their mind. The one thing that would cause them to not go was the absence of God's presence. God said he wasn't going to go with them. And that was the one and only thing that could keep Moses from the promised land. Listen, Exodus 33, 15. Here's what Moses told God. Oh. Mm, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses was willing to give up the promised land for God's presence. God's presence meant more to Moses than God's promises. Can that be said about us? Moses didn't want to go anywhere or do anything unless the presence of God was with him. What about you? Can you say like Moses, if God's presence is not in it, I'm not going? Listen, if you can't say that right now, ask God to enable you to say that. I've prayed many prayers. God, I'm not willing, but make me willing. That's a beautiful prayer. So if you're struggling with that, pray this prayer to God. You see, because here's the thing. If God's presence is not with us, we will not succeed. We will not be blessed if we go without God. Maybe for a little while, but I'm going to tell you what, the blessings are in the presence of God. The only way to be blessed is to abide in God's presence. And that is accomplished through worship. Worship is experiencing the presence of God and responding appropriately. Listen how Webster's defines worship. Extreme devotion. Or intense love. It's not just lifting your hands or dancing or shouting. You can be doing all of those and not even be worshiping. It's what's coming out of your heart. Do them anyway. Do them anyway. I hate to say it like I should probably say this, uh, but I'm going to say it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> just do it. God honors that. That's a sacrifice of praise, isn't it? So it's important that we understand it's a heart thing. We don't have to be in church to worship God. Our heart can be a private place, no matter where we go, what we do, where we commune with him. Every moment, uninterrupted, abiding, moment by moment. What does abide mean? A dwelling place, the place where we live. So to abide in God's presence, we have to live in a place of worship. We don't worship God from a distance. No, we dwell right there where he is. Exodus 33. It tells a story that so, so beautifully illustrates this. The children of Israel were, were traveling to the promised land. And along the way, they would stop and they would set up camp. And Moses would go outside the camp, and he would set up the tent of meeting. Here's what verse 8 says. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents. And they watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance 
while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. So I want you to notice something here. The children of Israel stood at their tent door instead of going into the tabernacle where God dwelt. They worshipped from afar. Big difference. Moses worshipped face to face. They worshipped from afar. I want to say something to you this morning. If you're watching us on social media right now, Let's not let watching online become worshiping God from afar. Because that's happening all over the world right now. You may have to get uncomfortable and get out of your comfort zone and come to the house of God where you worship with God's people. It's different. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for being there and participating in your own home. But if there's a, not a reason why you can't be here, then we challenge you, the Spirit of God challenges you, I challenge you today to come to the house of the Lord and worship God. Where was Moses? In the tabernacle where God dwelt. Moses didn't worship from a distance. He wanted to dwell where God dwelt. The children of Israel, they were content to stand at their tent door. But Moses entered into the tabernacle of God's presence. That, that is our heart. Touching heaven. Touching heaven, touching God, communing with him, experiencing him. The children of Israel were tent door worshipers. Moses was a tabernacle worshiper. I want to be a tabernacle worshiper. No wonder verse 11 says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. I'll settle for nothing less as a man speaks with his friend. Many of us are worshiping God at our tent door. Instead of drawing near, we stay at a distance and we try to worship God. But unfortunately, unlike, fortunately, unlike the children of Israel, we don't have to go to a tent to worship. I get that. The Spirit of God is in us. But figuratively, many people are still worshiping at their tent door. Because you see, here's the thing, tent door worshipers... They don't have a passion for God's presence. How sad is that? Tentor worshipers are satisfied with worshiping God once a week on Sunday. They stroll in late on Sundays. I'm not referring to anybody here. I know y'all are all on time. But they stroll in late, and you know what? They really don't get that much out of worship. Tentor worshipers are more concerned what others think than what God thinks. What will people think if I raise my hands or dance or shout or get up and give a word? What will other people think? That's their main concern. But on the other hand, tabernacle worshipers have a passion to abide in God's presence. Look, you can tell the difference. Tabernacle worshipers prime the pump. For Sunday worship. Because they're worshiping all week long. They're usually on time. Because they treasure every moment. 
every second of being in God's presence in corporate worship. Tabernacle worshipers care more about what God thinks than what man thinks. And tabernacle worshipers understand this, Psalms 27.4, one of my favorite verses. I love this verse. One thing, one have I asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell, abide in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. So I ask you today, there's no condemnation. Remember, are you a tent or worshiper or are you a tabernacle worshiper? Do you stand at a distance holding back or do you enter into the presence of God and give him your heart and give him your best? To abide in God's presence, you must continually draw near in worship. The fourth key, abiding in the word. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me, that's our, first, our, our third key, and my words abide in you. That's our fourth key. You see, as Christians, we're supposed to be people of the word. Bible reading, Bible believing followers of Jesus Christ. I know people who will say, oh yeah, I believe every word of the Bible. But they hardly ever read it. How do you know you believe it? Do you read it? If you believe it, you're going to read it because it says to stay in God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How are you going to be righteous if you aren't reading the word? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word complete means mature. If you're spiritually immature, ask yourself if you're getting in the word of God. You will never grow into spiritual maturity apart from abiding in the word. And that doesn't mean you just do it one time. Oh, but I read through the whole New Testament five years ago. No, it's got to be consistent. The word of God is what brings maturity in our lives. You know, we all know this verse, or most of us anyways. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we love that verse. But do you know what comes before that? What it's contingent upon? John 8, 31 and 32 says, If you continue, abide, dwell, live in my word, then you are my disciples. Remember, we're talking about discipleship here. Then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Change comes when we continue in the word. Not just come to church every Sunday and then, you know, I'm good. Check it off my little list. We have to continue, and continue is the Greek word meno. I think I talked about that last week, which means abide, remain, be at home in, live there. And whatever you need from God comes from abiding in his word. It's more than just occasionally reading your Bible or turning on a TV preacher. Abiding in the word means you come into the word regularly. You meditate on the word. It's on your mind and your heart all day long. I mean, I know we have jobs and other things that we do, but there's that inner sanctuary where we live. There is. Oh, it, it's there. And we meditate on it. We, we think about it. We speak it. We do it and we live it. They know that when, do you know that when you abide in the word, 
When you're down, it will lift you up. When you're lost, it will show you the way. When you're fearful, it will give you courage. When you're hurting, it will bring healing. When you're weak, it will give you strength. And when you're in despair, it will give you hope. So abide in the word of God. Read the word of God. If you're not doing it, get an accountability partner. Fifth key is abiding in prayer. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, we just did both of those, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Pretty powerful words, isn't it? Because if you're abiding, you're not going to ask outside of God's will. One of the most common excuses for not praying is busyness. We just allow busyness to excuse our prayerlessness. But here is what I want to know. Why is it so hard for you to pray? You can watch TV. You can hang out with friends and talk and all day long. Never drop a comma. But why is it so hard for you? <laughs> I'm not even looking at anybody. <laughs> Nobody here, of course. <laughs> So why is it so easy to talk to others or watch TV or do all these other things, but it's so hard to pray? You know why? I think it's hard to pray because of this. I think we don't pray because we see prayer as something we have to do instead of someone we get to know. Oh, oh. World of difference there. Come on, we're totally missing the essence of prayer. God wants relationship with you. He really does just as you are. He's your best friend. He's your confidant. He's your all in all. He's God. God wants to know you. So that makes, that's why we have such a hard time. But God wants you, listen to this, to tell him your innermost thoughts everything just the way you are cry out to him your fears your pain your sorrows your disappointments he cares for you more than anyone could ever care for you first thessalonians five seventeen says to pray without ceasing it doesn't say sing without ceasing or fellowship without ceasing or even preach without ceasing it says pray without ceasing. And that's another way of saying we must abide in prayer. And when we abide in prayer, oh, listen to this. Oh, I'm getting excited now. When we abide in prayer, we have an exchange. I exchange my fear for his faith. I exchange my anger for his peace. I exchange my depression for his joy. I exchange my weakness for his strength. But the key to this kind of praying is abiding in prayer. Luke 11.10 in the Amplified Version says, Ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be open to you. 
Abiding in prayer is not just praying once or twice and giving up. Abiding in prayer asks God and keeps on asking until it receives. Abiding in prayer seeks and keeps on seeking until it finds. Abiding in prayer knocks, 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 and keeps on knocking until God opens the door. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. Hannah prayed and her barrenness became fruitfulness. Jonah prayed and the fish spit him out on dry land. Elijah prayed and the heavens gave rain. The disciples prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul and Silas prayed and the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains were loosed. Right now, Pastor Deb, I am praying, God, teach us to abide in you so that we can bring forth fruit for your glory. Give us a deeper revelation, God. Deeper. We want to go deeper. We don't want to be ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep. I want to be swimming in over my head. I want to jump in the river. I want more of God of God. We need the presence of God in our lives. Do it, God. We cry out as a church, do it, God. I encourage you to abide in Christ. Abide in prayer. Abide in the word and worship. Be a tabernacle worshiper. Don't worship God from a distance and don't let a day go by without praying to God. If like Pastor Joe says, sometimes all you can say is Jesus or help me. That's a prayer. We're crying out to God. Call on him when you're happy. Call on him when you're sad. Call on him when life is tough and when life is good. Call on him when you feel like it and when you don't. And when you call, he will answer. He will renew and change your life. He will defeat your enemies. Come on, I'm saying it. He will give you victory. He will give you joy. He will renew your purpose. He will heal your family. He will restore what you have lost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Call on him. We call on you right now, oh God. We call on you. We call on you, God. We humble ourselves. We bow our hearts before you, God. Forgive us of our sin. God, you are so good. Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for us to walk in forgiveness so that we can abide, we can stay in Christ through fruitfulness, being pruned, through prayer, worship, and the word, and being in Christ. All of these are how we abide. But we're saying to you, God, we know we can't do it. <laughs> but it's okay. Because if we stay in you, you will do it through us. And we declare right now that that is our desire. As a church, that's our heart. We want to go higher. We're not going to get complacent in this church. And I thank you people <laughs> you amazing people of God you beautiful sheep of God that want him like you do it's a beautiful thing I love standing up here and seeing you and seeing the glory of God 
on your face, seeing you long and yearn for more of him. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Unless I can see it, be sure he sees it. And he will not deny you. You can't ask for bread and get a stone. He will answer your prayer for more of him. And that is our heart's cry today. We're going forward. Forward in the presence of God. Forward in discipleship. I'm speaking victory over you right now. I'm telling you what. The Spirit of God is doing a new thing in this house. He is doing a new thing and we must see it. And we must respond to it by the power and the grace of God. So I say, go and abide. Go and abide. If you weren't here last week, go online and listen to last week's message so you get a better idea of what abiding is. And listen, if you don't know Jesus, whether you're here or you're online, today can be the day of salvation for you. Just cry out in your heart to him. If you don't know exactly what to say, prayer team, come on down. These individuals down here will pray for you. Don't let embarrassment or fear or any of those things keep you from making that decision listen when I got saved it was it was a sight to behold I ran down the aisle of a southern baptist church with black makeup streaming down my face crying help me help me help me I didn't care what anybody thought I needed help so don't hold back don't hesitate come down let them pray for you or if you don't want to do that or if you're online do it in your heart just say God save me I give you my heart Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. Thank you for the blood that brings forgiveness into my life. I repent of my sin, and I give my heart to you. Salvation. Amen. Go and abide. Love you, God.